Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks for Monday, March 9th, 2020. My name is Jay Zawoski. I am back from Arizona. Thank you for your patience. Thanks for listening to the mailbag episodes and the Kendall Coin interview last week. Thanks for sticking around. I am back. I'm here. I'm with you talking Hawks. The Hawks lose 2-0 to the St. Louis Blues on Sunday night. We will get into it. First, want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast. Remember, tomorrow, Talk Back Tuesday. I know you've got a lot on your mind after two of the most disappointing losses in a season full of disappointing losses. So let those questions fly. Voicemail 708-653-0572. Email LockedOnBlackHawks at gmail.com. Send me a tweet at LO underscore Blackhawks. You can follow my personal account at Zawaski 670 and the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast at Madhouse Pod. A new episode of that dropped last night around 10.30 Chicago time. So if you've not checked that out, make sure you do. Totally different content from this podcast, so I think you'll enjoy it. Once you wrap this one up, add that one to your queue and give it a listen, the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. All right, let's get into things right away here. And this game juxtaposed with the 2-1 loss to the Detroit Red Wings, who we have been panning all season, making fun of all season as one of the worst teams in the history of the game. Looking at their goal differential, looking at their win-loss record, all the things that indicate the Red Wings are the trash team that they are right now, uh, we did all year. And apparently the Hawks were listening to those episodes because for 40 minutes on Friday, they went and laid an egg and then needed the third period to catch back up. Bernier was good enough to keep the Red Wings ahead and the Hawks lose. And what felt like a really good and encouraging little run for the Hawks suddenly felt really crappy. Then here come, last night, the St. Louis Blues, the defending Stanley Cup champions, with a lot of Blues fans apparently, by the way, very vocal group of St. Louis Blues fans, and they stifle the Blackhawks and win the game 2 to nothing. And I'm not going to flip out about this loss. Uh, there's a whole offseason ahead for flipping out. There will be games ahead for flipping out. Friday's game was a reason to flip out. But when one of the best teams in hockey comes to your building, a team that is very solid defensively, very solid offensively, and just puts the clamps on you for the better part of 40 minutes, 60 minutes really, that's how it's going to look. The Blues are the better team. There's not much question about it. And once Boquist left the game, and once Kajula, who was one of the few Blackhawks who was engaged every shift he was on the ice, left the game, things went to hell. And... I sort of caught myself when I said the Hawks weren't engaged there because I think it's easy to say that when you're being just dominated defensively. And what looks like lack of effort is really more of the St. Louis Blues imposing their will on the Blackhawks. And that's sort of what it was. The Blues were smothering. They weren't letting the Hawks in to the zone with any clean entries. They weren't letting them get any chances from inside the slot area everything from the Hawks sort of came from the periphery there were a few exceptions of course as there are in every game but here's what irritates me look we all knew if you looked ahead at the calendar and you saw this game against the Blues coming up on March 8th which was last night you probably circled that one and marked it down as a loss right and losses are fine They're, they happen throughout the course of the year the timing of it's horrible no doubt about that but 
there's going to be games you lose because your opponent is better, and that's simply the fact. But here's where, and I've said this all year long, here's where a competent power play could make a big, big difference. The Blackhawks were 0 for 4 on the power play. 0 for 4. That's it. That is it. They had one power play shot the entire game. One power play shot. And for a game that is one nothing for you know a long stretch until the third period, then Petrangelo scores five and a half minutes into the third, and it's two nothing. You'd think there'd be a little more urgency on those power plays. And yeah, the Blues did a good job at forcing things outside, but they weren't forcing turnovers. They weren't forcing passes at the feet. They weren't forcing general incompetence. You can salute general incompetence if you'd like to on the power play. And that's been the issue. And maybe that's the difference in the NHL between the good teams and the great teams and the average teams and the good teams is a dependable power play. The Hawks have a really good penalty kill. There's no disputing that. They absolutely do. And the hope is that one of your special teams units is really good and the other one's average, and that's enough to get you into the playoffs. And let's ask ourselves this question. Had the Hawks' power play been just average this season? Just average. Doesn't need to be great. Doesn't need to be top 10, anything like that. But 14, 15, 16, 17, somewhere in that middle range. Would we be in better position now than they are? And the answer to me is absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. And it's something that even when Joel Quenville was the coach, with all this talent, they couldn't figure out. And it's incredibly frustrating to watch night after night, year after year, of power play incompetence. And when the Blues were giving the Hawks opportunities on the power play, and not only could they not convert, they couldn't even get shots. That, to me, is the worst part of it. And there's a lot of bad parts to it. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of bad parts to it. But that, to me, is that's the difference. That is the difference between winning and losing in this league and beating teams that are better than you. And until the Hawks can get their power play worked out, and who knows when that'll be, they're going to struggle against teams that are better than them on paper. And look, every team plays worse against teams that are better than them. It's obvious. But this team has enough high-end talent. Taves, Kane, Debrinkit, Strom, Kubalik, Keith, Boquist, all these guys who keep naming. You have enough for two really good power play units there. But for whatever reason, this team cannot figure it out. And it's baffling. And it's frustrating. And I don't know when it's ever going to change. And part of me is like, maybe just put some of the grindy kind of guys out there and just have them keep it simple. And that will work. Or how about this, Jeremy Cowton? How about don't put Dominic Kubelik, your best sniper, your guy with the best one-timer and best snapshot, in front of the net? 
where you take those two abilities away from him. How about that? Now that you're finally using him on a power play, how about use him correctly? There's an idea. Hey, if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans, but you may not know that Locked On Blackhawks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Hawks fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Hawks fans and a predominantly male audience that's well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. Welcome back into Lockdown Blackhawks. My name is Jay Zawoski. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to get to the pluses and minuses in just a moment. But want to remind you, tomorrow's show is Talk Back Tuesday. Get those questions in. Voicemail, 708-653-0572. The email is LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. Send a tweet to at LO underscore Blackhawks or my personal account at jayzawoski670. And I will do my very best to get all of them answered. You know I love those voice memos, too. Open up that voice memo app on your phone, record a message, send it to LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com, and we will get your question answered on the podcast that will air on Tuesday. So get those in. All right, now Hawks lose 2-0 to the St. Louis Blues last night at the United Center. Let's get to the pluses and minuses. First plus for me goes to Hockey Jesus himself. Duncan Keith, 30 minutes and 21 seconds of ice time, 23 shifts. That is an average shift of 119. No St. Louis Blues player averaged a shift longer than 53 seconds. That was Colton Pareko. I'm sorry, Marco Scandella averaged 54 seconds a shift. Duncan Keith, 119 per shift. 30 minutes and 21 seconds. I don't know how this dude does it. I don't know how Duncan Keith continues to play quality hockey at the level he plays for as long as he plays. And is it me or is he better the more he plays? It's truly unbelievable to watch Duncan Keith play the way he plays night after night for as long as he plays. It's it's truly unreal. Second plus of the game for me goes to Corey Crawford. Stop 24 of 26 St. Louis Blues shots on goal. I think he was very good again. He has been for this entire stretch. Uh, the goal scored against him. You can't really blame him. Bortuzzo puck kind of found its way to him, and he made an impossible angle shot. And Petrangelo is sort of a similar thing, a bouncy puck off an Alex Nylander turnover, and he scores Um, So neither of those really fall on Corey Crawford to me. He's been the team's workhorse since Robin Leonard got traded. He has played in every single game. I wonder now, though, with two losses in a row and the Hawks sort of slipping out of things here, if we're finally going to see Malcolm Subban 
get a start, a good opportunity probably Friday as the Blackhawks face the Ottawa Senators at home. They also play the Sharks Wednesday, but I would expect Crawford to get the start Wednesday. Then I would think with Saturday, with Friday and Saturday games, Ottawa and Washington, they would give Subban the start against the lesser Ottawa Senators. Let's update the playoff picture here. Uh, obviously, there's games going on as I record this, so it will not be totally complete. But looking at the wild card standings for the Blackhawks, not good. Not good. They are now six points out of a playoff spot, and they have one, two, three, four teams they'd have to leapfrog to get into that final playoff spot, and they're running out of time to do it, quite frankly. So who knows? I mean, look, they got a hot streak last week. You look ahead to the schedule, there are some definite winnable games. I mentioned San Jose, Ottawa, two against the Wild, the Sabres, the Predators who don't always impress me. Pittsburgh hasn't been great lately. L.A., Montreal, these are teams that they could beat. But every time, and we've talked about this, every time the Hawks seem to catch up and seem to get in the race, they fall apart. And Friday's loss to the Wings and Sunday's loss to the Blues illustrate that very, very cleanly. Anyway, I'm getting to the minuses before it's time. Want to give another plus to Drake Kajula. Anyone who's listened to me over the years knows I am not the biggest advocate for fighting in hockey, but if there's ever a time to do it, it was then uh, when a, your star young player, Adam Boquist, is cheap-shotted, and uh, he dropped the gloves. He was the guy to do it. So, all right, if they're going to allow fighting, and it's part of the rules, if there's ever a time to do it, that's the time to do it. Aside from that, Kajula was uh, a factor. He only played four and a half minutes of ice time, four hits, a shot on goal, another shot attempt. He hit the post uh, on a on a, a partial breakaway. So he made his impact felt in those four and a half minutes of ice time. And, of course, Patrick Kane, uh, the straw that stirs everything, looking at his night, seven shots on goal, two more shot attempts blocked, one more shot attempt missed. So a total of 10 shot attempts. Other than that, pretty ordinary night for the Blackhawks. I want to give another plus to the broadcast team, the first ever all-female broadcast, and I think everyone knows where I stand politically on things, and uh, I'm all for this sort of a thing. But here's here's the deal with the game Sunday night. It just sounded like a game, didn't it? It didn't sound like anything special. It didn't sound anything over the top. Kate Scott did the play-by-play. Kendall Coyne, who's a guest on this podcast a couple times, and A.J. Mwesko handled the analysis then Catherine Tappan and Jen Botterill did the intermissions and the entire behind the scenes was run by women. It's an ordinary broadcast. No one bats an eye when it's all men. No one should bat an eye when it's all women. It was great. It sounded like a hockey game. The analysis was good. The play-by-play was good. Um, Look, a lot of these people are new broadcasters. I talked about this in the Madhouse podcast a little bit, so I don't want to repeat it too much. But Kendall Coyne is a year into her broadcast career. She is not formally trained in broadcasting, and her role as the on-ice analyst and the sort of features analyst is the most difficult of those roles because she has to get scripted material delivered in a short amount of time. So when you hear her sort of catching her words a little bit or stumbling over her words, that's her trying to get it done on time. And The advice I give to all broadcasters, myself included, I catch myself on this all the time, is to just slow down. 
when you slow down, things become easier to get out. You stumble less. And something I was told very young in my broadcasting career was if you feel like you're going very, very slowly, the pace is probably just right. So as Kendall Coyne gets practice and gets flight miles, you know, behind the glass there, she's going to get better at it. But the content was great. When she was calling things out, she was seeing on the ice, it was tremendous. The only thing I heard her struggle with, and it was just a little bit, was the sort of scripted feature things she had to get in quickly. Those are the most challenging. They will come. Um, but other than that, I thought the broadcast was dynamite. And I don't know. I can't really imagine anyone having a big problem with that. If you didn't like it, let me know. Blackhawks at gmail.com. And I'm not going to, as long as you're fair about it, I'm not going to berate you. But I, I thought it sounded like a hockey broadcast, except the voices were female instead of male. thought the content was great, exactly what it should be. Really, really enjoyed it. All right, well, now let's get to the minuses. First minus for me goes to Alex Nylander, who had a bad turnover that led to a goal. He was not alone in the turnover department for the Blackhawks last night, but, uh, boy, he just isn't getting better, and he isn't getting more consistent. And there was an opportunity there where he had a look on the right wing rush and he peeled off to look for a pass and nothing happened. Literally skated himself out of a scoring chance. It's just really aggravating. He had three shots on goal. None of them really challenging. None of them really great. It's just you thought by now. In March, season sort of wrapping up that Alex Nylander would have sort of found his consistency a little more. And it's very frustrating that he hasn't. And he's been getting opportunities with some really good players. And there are those flashes. Remember, he scored the first Hawks goal of the season this year. There have been those moments where you're like, there it is. That's what Stan Bowman saw when he traded for Alex Nylander. That's it. But those are what? Once every five games? Once every seven games? More often than not, he's a non-factor or he's a factor in a negative sense. Not good enough. It's not good enough. And when you trade who many thought was your top prospect and Henry Okaharu to get him, the expectations and the spotlight are going to be shined on Alex Nylander as long as he's a Blackhawk. So he better get used to it. He better get used to it. Uh, not really a minus. I thought he played pretty well, but worth noting Jonathan Taves' uh, line for the night. Minus one. Only one shot on goal. He lost uh, 16 and won 10 faceoffs, so that's only 38%. So not a great game uh, on paper from Jonathan Taves. Connor Murphy was a minus two. And two more minuses for me. I don't I don't need to see Nick Sewer anymore. Do you need to see Nick Sewer anymore? I know they're, they've got some injuries. I know that, you know, Boquist, well, he wasn't out to start the game. But uh, Gilbert got sent down. Carlson's hurt. So he kind of has to play, but... I've I think I've seen what I need to see from Nick Sealer. Um look, no no problem taking a flyer on a guy who's waived. You're looking for some physicality, that's fine. He did have three block shots and delivered four hits. But I just I don't know. I'm just not seeing it. He just is another slow footed defenseman on a roster loaded with slow footed defensemen. So I'd much rather see someone with a little speed and some puck movement in their game on the ice. I know right now the options are limited, but that's it. I just kind of seen enough of Nick Sewer. How about you? The last minus is Jeremy Cowden's use of Dominic Kublik on the power play. 
right in front of the goalie where he can't use his one-timer and can't use his snapshot. <sighs> Not great, JC. One more segment to go here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks, everybody, for sticking with it when I was gone last week. I got another vacation coming up during spring break. We'll handle that as we need to handle that as well. But thanks for being here. Thanks for being part of it. Thanks for being with me all season long. Greatly appreciate it. One, uh, uh, not final, because I'll give you another one before the show's over. But another reminder, tomorrow is Talk Back Tuesday, so get those questions in. 708-653-0572 is the voicemail. Email LockdownBlackHawks at gmail.com. Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks and at jzawaski 670 Find me somewhere and I will answer your Blackhawks questions. Even if you don't intend it to be a Talk Back Tuesday question, if I like it, I might use it. So, by the way, I want to pay something off. Last week's show, before I went to Arizona, I tweeted that I did. I actually recorded that show on Monday. But I talked about this poll I was going to create on Friday's show. And I want to share the results of that with you right now as I kill time as I type in the web address to find the poll. The question was asked on Twitter. You have to keep one of these people. Who do you choose? Stan Bowman or Jeremy Cowton? 61.5% said Jeremy Cowton. Nearly a million. A million. <laughs> Nearly a thousand votes. A million would be nice. Nearly a thousand votes on the poll. 61.5%. If forced to choose between Jeremy Cowden and Stan Bowman would choose St- Jeremy Cowden. That, to me, is a bit surprising. And when I first published the poll on Monday, I let it run for a week. I first published the poll on Monday, and Stan Bowman like started winning right away. Like He was the one who uh, he got more votes to stay than Cowden did. But as it went on, Jeremy Cowden, that number kept growing and growing and growing, and he eventually won as the one people want to keep. Only 38.5% would choose Stan Bowman over Jeremy Cowden. I don't know. Has, has people Have people lost that much faith in Stan Bowman? It appears so. It appears so, and it's hard to argue with. It really is because since they won a cup, which is crazy, they won a cup four years ago, and this will be five years ago, in June, he hasn't done a good job. There's no doubt about it. And I know that it feels recent, but five years in sports is a long time. And most of the moves he's made over that time span have been losses. So I get it. I see why Hawks fans are frustrated. And according to my unscientific poll, 61.5% would keep Jeremy Cowton over Stan Bowman. That is surprising to me. All right, before we wrap things up, let's go down the number line here on Lockdown Blackhawks looking at last night's game. 2-0 lost at the hands of the St. Louis Blues. The Corsi 4, 5-on-5 percentage, and even 60% for the Blues and 40% for the Hawks. That's how the game felt to me. 42 shot attempts for the Blues, 28 for the Blackhawks. So there's your discrepancy there. High danger chances. The Blues had a 10-6 edge as far as that goes, that's a 62.5% advantage for them. Looking at the Corsi 4 percentages for the players. 5 
Blackhawks were over 50%. Actually, all these Hawks were exactly 50%. Boquist, Kubalik, Kajula, Taves, Carpenter, all 50%. Keith, Debrinkit, Cuckoo, and Kampf and Saad were all 45% or higher. Bringing up the bottom for the Hawks, Connor Murphy was a 25.93% Corsi 4 percentage. Patrick Kane, 29.03. Dylan Strom, 32%. That's not great. Those are three of your most important players. And look, Patrick Kane was a factor all night, but nine shot attempts for 22 against at even strength with Patrick Kane on the ice. When you look at his power play numbers, Patrick Kane, five shot attempts for and one against on the power play. So that's where his shooting numbers kind of came from when you look at the big picture of this game. All right, that's going to do it for Locked on Blackhawks for Monday. March 9th. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll be back tomorrow for Talk Back Tuesday. Final plug, I promise. 708-653-0572 is the voicemail number. Lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com is the email or at LO underscore Blackhawks on Twitter. We will talk to you tomorrow on Locked On Blackhawks. And now that you have listened to this episode of Locked On Blackhawks, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL. Have a great Monday. We will talk to you on Talk Back Tuesday.